Hello and welcome to Under the Floodlights. This week on the show, Diogo Jota, you little beauty. Injury hit Liverpool, go top of the table with a 2-1 victory against West Ham. We perv out over the aesthetics of a James Ward Price free kick. Arsenal win away from home against a big six team as Manchester United start four central midfielders not named Donny van de Beek. The death of the Burnley away fixture, post-goal music and professional managers on Instagram. All of this on the weekend, England announces it's going back into lockdown, so does football even matter? My name's Darren Scott and I'm joined virtually, of course, by Bailey Hutchison, Chris England and I don't know about you boys but there's a good vibe on the pod this week Christopher how are you <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to be here <laughs> uh, I'm confused well what's just happening here just wondering how you are I I'm I'm great yeah I'm, I'm good as always yeah. yeah better better than Saturday night after a few of your text messages during the game oh well 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 <laughs> Well, you know, you saw Patrice the other week, you know, that's what happens to you. you know? Yeah, Christopher, for anyone who isn't in the group chat that the three of us are in, uh, Christopher <laughs> went from supremely confident to beyond rattled within about a 30-minute time spell, <laughs> and it was just great to be a part of. It's, it's just like, you know, like any of the previous four seasons, I wouldn't be like this, you know, mm. in a game, but when you actually have a chance and you're playing well against Liverpool, you know, that's a big deal to me. You know, I, I, I'm not a fan of Liverpool. So, uh, you know, it was it, it was very irritating that we lost that match for a number of reasons that we'll get into. Yeah, so I, I guess that's probably a good place to start. Um, Liverpool-West Ham was the, the fixture on Saturday night. Liverpool won uh, by two goals to one, um, which took Liverpool back to the top of the league, which I think is good considering all the problems they've had around the team. Um, but yeah, what did you... Bailey, I suppose, do you, want, do you want to start before we let Christopher run wild on West Ham? Uh, yeah, I mean, fantastically, West Ham went 1-0 up and Chris here did get a bit confident. Mm-hmm. There was a text message from Chris blaming Darren for what was going on. <laughs> yeah, Chris, Chris messaged Darren saying, Darren, absolutely no pressure on us when we're attacking. Don't know if it's deliberate or not. As though Darren has a direct line to Jurgen and the boys on the touchline. <laughs> as if to I've this out. as if I, as if I've picked the team, the tactics. Like I, I'm just sitting watching the game like everyone else. <laughs> Darren was sitting there frustrated. Well, Chris obviously elated, getting a bit ahead of himself before the game actually finishes. No, I, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was just more that, like you know, we had a chance. Like it was just <laughs> they, they were really not playing that well Liverpool yeah and that's been the thing about Liverpool all year um they've been hit by injuries and they have not played well if you look at the games they've played over the last month in both the Premier League and the Champions League they've not performed well in those games but they've managed to scrape by and and you guys asked me a couple of weeks ago um do I think Liverpool could win the league after the Van Dijk injury and I said honestly no because they they weren't playing well enough and I just didn't see how they were going to get over the line in those tight games but since I've said that, they've been doing that. So I guess do I have to completely U-turn and say yes, Liverpool will now run away with the league? <laughs> well, well, no, I think you're. <laughs> I don't think they will. I don't think they will. But um, I mean, my thoughts in the game. Uh, I thought West Ham will feel like they've let a few points go there. Um, first of all, they played the first seventy minutes with ten men. Sebastian Haller had perhaps totally the most that. disgraceful performance of any elite athlete it's I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, my God, was he a passenger? Um, there was an inc- there was a two on one. Pablo Fornell should have been squaring the ball to to Jared Bowen for a tap yeah. in. Uh, didn't do that. Let Liverpool off the hook again. And um, and I guess the longer you leave Liverpool in it, 
you do leave yourself open to to them coming back. It was a soft penalty um, for for Salah, although <laughs> the latest rumours from coming out of Liverpool um, is that Salah's not fit to play Champions League um, on Tuesday this week because of the injury sustained from that lethal oh, kick oh, from Masiaki. What an actor, um, <laughs> which which a bit, did if there ever was. yeah, which I did mean, strike me as a bit of a oh we'll just say this as a sort of yeah, then it, it had to have been a penalty because he's injured. That's very professional wrestler of him. There, yeah, I, I quite singing character away from the pitch. I I quite yeah. like that from the ripple. But yeah, I thought I thought Hatler's performance was just so, it was so lazy. Yeah. It was it was terrible. It was absolutely One thing terrible. I don't get, Chris, about Haller. So whenever he was brought in from Frankfurt, the reason mm-hmm. why he cost so much and also Luka Jovic cost Real Madrid so much that yeah. summer is they yeah. were fantastic as a two. In the Europa League and stuff, as a two, they tore teams to shreds. You would just lump it up to Haller, Jovic would be on the other end. I don't understand why West Ham at no point have tried him with someone alongside him. Uh, well, we so they did uh, after lockdown, or just before lockdown, when we played Antonio and Haller together for a while, and it worked really well. And then I think Haller got injured. Yeah. Uh, but But I mean, yeah, like... He cost a serious amount of money. I think he felt a lot last season. He was a scapegoat for a lot of our problems. And, I mean, he was part of the problem. Like, there's no wheeling around it. But, I mean, it's just one of many of West Ham's field transfer policies for the past, like, decade. Uh, and especially with strikers. I mean, he he had the chance to show any, in, you know, any sort of ounce of why he should play at all. And he showed absolutely none of it. Um, and... Especially against this centre back, who I was somewhat irritated about how much praise he got. Um, <laughs> this guy, Nat Phillips. Yeah. So, so this guy is uh, twenty three. He's yes. older than Joe Gomez. Yes. He has been on loan at Stuttgart. Who I know they were in the second German league, but that is a massive club. Um, and he won a few headers, and everyone was like, "This guy's incredible." He came in man of the match. Student for Van Dyke, what a guy. James Milner was calling him a mountain. Uh, <laughs> and everyone was like, what, 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 a, what a performance. What a great player this guy is. And I was like, I mean, like, he's not like some 16-year-old kid who's just come in. I mean, he's won a few headers, which is centre-back, I think, is actually part of the deal. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, part of the reason for all of the praise will... And it comes back to this a lot in football, but it, it centers around marketing. People love that story of the underdog oh, yeah. doing well. Oh, that yeah. that is headlines. That gets clicks, and yeah. um, so that will have played a part in it. First of all, um, I think he jumps quite high, which I always makes does. you look quite good as a center back. It makes yeah. you look like a presence. And he's um, quite big himself. He is yeah. quite. He is quite big. And to his credit, he had as much Premier League experience as the three of us did prior to that game. Uh, yes. So, but, but regardless think, about his age you know, and, and yeah. the level of performance that he played at, to come in in the Premier League on your debut and stand in for Virgil van Dijk, who may or may not be the best centre-back in the world, definitely up there, um, you know, that is positive signs. And I think that's all Liverpool fans are looking for at the moment. They're seeing, God, yeah. how many injuries do, do the club have? And it's good to see, OK, this person has come and stood in. They've never played before and they handled it pretty well and that gives the fans sort of a cause for optimism going forward because they will be hoping that they can try and retain their title 
Yeah, I, I, just, I just think like, you know, if you're at Liverpool, like you should be able to do that. You know, but, I, I, and he, like he's, he's, he has played for, you know, in mm. very big stadiums and very, a very big team. Like, I, I just like, he did, he did well, but I just thought it was, I just thought it was a bit much, you know. But I like love whenever players have these games, though, like a player out from the cold. I actually have sure, yeah, the guy before. Like, I sure, love that yeah. and whenever they have a great game because from now on, Liverpool fans will anchor that performance going, oh, well, yeah. he had that against West Ham. I had this thing for years where I thought Thomas Callas had another pocketing Luis Suarez performance in him. <laughs> the, the guy wasn't seen in a Chelsea shirt ever again, but in my head I went, well, one time he was fantastic. Yeah, so yeah. Now, now yep. Liverpool fans have this, well, Matt Phillips, well, we, we brought him back to play Everton and we won that game. I... We brought him back to play West Ham and he pocketed a guy worth £50 million. Pounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah ours is Reese Oxford, 16-year-old, outmarked. Yeah, again, uh, another Ozil guy went to Germany. Peak of his career, yeah. yep, and he's never been seen again. Yeah. yeah, it happens all the time. It is quite funny yeah. um, the Just way that works out. Figures, so yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it was, I, I'm also not really a fan of Shakiri, so that really irritated me that his ball was absolutely sublime uh, in the build-up to the goal. I think Jota is a phenomenal signing, and uh, I don't think you ever need to play Origi ever again. Yeah, <laughs> Origi has has definitely fallen down the pecking order yeah. um, a little bit. I think Jota, perfect signing. Yeah, he really is. He, he just yeah. he offers that. Backup support off the yeah. bench. He, he's got goals in him. He's only twenty three years old. Um, it he? just it looks yeah twenty three years old. It, it looks a it looks a great sign. And obviously he's played a few games uh, both in the Premier League and the Champions League and scored goals. And and the conversations in the media have already started building up about you know when do you drop Firmino to the oh, bench indeed. for him because yeah, yeah. Jota's coming on and scoring goals and Firmino isn't at the moment. So. Um, yeah, I think it's a great sign for Liverpool. Something they haven't really had that quality um, off the bench for to sort of replace that front three. They haven't had that for a few years, so it gives them something different. Also, famously, the champion, inaugural champion of the the FIFA tournament that happened at the peak of lockdown mm. when he beat Trent Alexander Arnold in the <laughs> final. Yeah, um, never seen a guy take a loss worse in my life than Trent on that live on Sky Sports. You may be surprised to hear this, Chris, but I paid no attention to whatever competition that was. <laughs> it was, it was the dark Premier days. League FIFA tournament. I didn't give a toss. Just, be, just be footballers. <laughs> anyway, um, Aston Villa Southampton was a bit of a goal fest. Yeah, so no, random. I, I, I was very glad to see this, and you'll probably realise why. But, um, you know, after after last week's pod, um, you know, he said I had a, a big call from Chris Ringland saying, "Oh, you know." James Ward-Prowse, best set-piece taker in the league. And you're like, oof, it's a big call, Chris. Well, yeah, there we phenomenal. are. Phenomenal. The, the, the guy showed, I, I famously said in this podcast, that Ross Barkley would be on the plane. <laughs> and it's always disheartening whenever some guy who's competing with Ross for the exact same position scores two fantastic free kicks. <laughs> yeah. And is described by a French commentator on a dodgy stream saying <laughs> Le master class. <laughs> now, I don't speak French, but I know what he's saying. Yeah. I mean, they were, we talked about this a little bit before we started, but they were under the floodlights goals. There was under the floodlights oh, goals yeah. in this game in general. Vestergaard, yeah. that is a bullet header from the big man. First of all, Danny Ings. Danny Ings was, his goal was probably my favourite of the bunch. Good. Yeah. Purely because of that little audible sound when it just clipped the underside of the crossbar, yeah, that yeah. sound is so beautiful. 
Well, there's, um, there's a thing. If you're if you're Ward Price, you've scored two absolute stunners. You're thinking in your head, goal of the month. You haven't even got through the ninety minutes. Yeah, <laughs> before Dings has rocked up. Yeah, got wait to see this fella. I mean, the pace that he got on them, they did just look beautiful. Mm-hmm. And to do it, I mean, you know, good players can do it once. To do it twice in the one game is very, very impressive. First, I think it was since 2015, Christian Eriksen, first player to score two in the same oh, really? game. Is that right? Uh, yeah, they said that he's approaching top 10 free kick takers ever in the Premier League for goals, which I thought was hilarious that Seb Larson was fourth in that list. <laughs> Remember the guy played for Sunderland? Yeah. Uh, he hung about for long enough, though. I <laughs> bit too long, yeah. Um, yeah, this game also featured... Um, Another clanger. Um, line one from Keo in a match of the day. I mean, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully Crouch was on to offer a bit of levity. But uh, Keo, when he saw the free kicks, was like, he said, Oh, I'm going to invent a new word today. Whippage. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Gross. Crouch immediately laughed at him live oh, on television, which is great. Whippage. Um, that's a real whippage. football dad. Whippage. Kind of I, I can understand a bit of whippage. That's a very <laughs> different thing. Um, yeah, cha- Chappers didn't take it well. Um, yeah. A bit of swaz on that. Yeah, yeah. swaz. But I think swaz originated because Jamie Redknapp's brain just didn't work. He couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't get a word out, and the noise that came out ended up being swaz. Um, yeah, whereas Martin's definitely thought of whippage during the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah has, for far yeah. too long as well. He's yeah. sat there with Crouchy backstage, going, "Wait, you hear this one? I've got a <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- this game also had the return of the file through. Um, I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't see that, but it's always nice to see in the Premier League. Yeah, uh, even though every other throw in in the Premier League is a file throw, uh, this one was, was given in this game. <laughs> I think it actually did lead to something. So, um, What do you guys think of, I suppose, both Villa and Southampton? Southampton obviously won the game, but started to concede a few late on. Um, and they have conceded that. goals in other games this season. Uh, I think against Chelsea, or against Spurs, sorry. They, I think, shipped five or six. Um so do we think, like, can Southampton sustain a push towards top six, top eight, that sort of bracket? And on the flip side, Villa started brilliantly hmm. and in the last two games have kind of fallen away a little bit. I, th- I think their weakness is their defence. I don't think their quality of defence is as good as other teams. I think they're just playing well at the minute. Like, Vestergaard has actually not been very good since he's been with Southampton until this season. And their other centre-backs are Stevens and Bednarek, who I actually think are quite poor. Yeah, um, I also think whenever you're rocking uh, Che Adams and Danny Ings up top, who yeah. b- between them will get shots on the target every game, can on any day score three or four. They'll bail you out most weeks. Aye. Unfortunately, they do just have that back line that's a bit... Mm, yeah, yeah they, 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 don't have, they don't have much depth. You know, like there's not a lot of people that come on and change things, you know. Mm. Um, there's that guy Diallo that came on and he new signing and he gave away a penalty. Theo, Theo Walcott now. Yeah, we're still yeah. waiting for that breakout year from Theo. <laughs> eventually, in six. Yeah, eventually he's gonna do it. Youngest so, player to play for England in the World Cup, though. Um, <laughs> which is what the the media peddled for years after that World Cup debut. Uh, and what about Aston Villa? The flip side with them, um, obviously Grealish. Love Grealish. His I, goal I'm, was a bit weird. I'm. Yeah. I'm caught in two minds of Grealish's goal. It's fantastic. <laughs> Catches the keeper out. It's. It's clever. His mind is just in a different dimension than mm. everyone else. The fact that he was able mid-strike to go, oh no, he's he's waiting for this to curl in, yeah, and to cut it into the near post. It's fantastic. Unfortunately for Jack, it's in the ninety-seventh minute. Yeah, <laughs> when you're <laughs> against his team, 
only gets his team to 3-4. Mm-hmm. And you're going, that is just a bit of stat padding. That's just so he can go around the south gate and being like, well, you have to start me now. Aye. Yeah. So, well, I think it's, it's in that Marcus Rashford category from a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's I too think late in the game for me. You know, appropriately, we've talked a lot in the past about um, football sort of being this individual sport masquerading as a team game, and it's all about yes. you how you can make this about you. And uh, with that in mind, uh, the biggest compliment I ever received was um, age ten at a summer soccer camp, getting the nickname during the week of Zidane. <laughs> uh, because of the way I floated around midfield, which um, I thought was Love. great until I grew up and actually saw yeah. that Zidane's a big fraud. <laughs> Darren famously hates Zinedine Zidane, so it's it's it fantastic to know where that comes from. At so the time, it was a rooted childhood yeah. thing. At the time, big honour. Oh, and I... then as I grew up and realised that he flicked his way to a Ballon d'Or, but anyway, we'll leave the, it there. Darren, <laughs> those summer schemes were, I mean, you see when you're that, they're, they're phenomenal weeks of your life, those summer schemes. <laughs> yeah. They really are. Because it's funny as well, now that I'm an adult, the thought of, at 24 years old, playing football for four hours a day, five days in a row, honestly sounds like my idea of hell. <laughs> um, no, so, but when you're a kid, it's like, yeah, that's all you want to do. Come rain or or whatever, you don't care. Get out. Now, now you're just thinking about the stretching before yeah, and after. And... Like, Jesus, my back, my back come Thursday of that week will just be in pieces. Carrying like the foam roller. Um, yeah, that that wouldn't be good. Um, Arsenal Manchester United was uh, another oh, oh. another pretty dire game to be completely honest but I suppose the big news yeah. Arsenal have their first away win against a big six team albeit United are 15th but a big <laughs> six team since uh, the 18th of January 2015 um, so a big hurdle that Arteta's got them over yeah. finally yeah. I don't think United did themselves any favours in the game Pogba giving away the penalty wasn't ideal obviously but um, yeah again United just struggling they're, they're bad just... team Bad team. Bad team. Now, just before we start, I just want to get on to something that was I, I noticed in the build-up to the game just before uh, with Martin Tyler. Martin Tyler's famous and it's live line to get you ready for oh, the I, game. Yeah. He, he's also done it tonight where he's gone, and it's live, and it's immediately gone into a minute's silence. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> And it's, like, <laughs> it's one of these things that's going to make me miss mascots this year. It's just reminded me of that Twitter account, the Mascots Minute Silence. Yeah. Where you see, <laughs> like, the West Ham robot guy, yeah, Hammerhead yeah, yeah. or whatever, just <laughs> head down, just <laughs> just in that moment. But I, you, it was so you got the weird Fox and Lester. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Building it up and then, right, let's, let's pause for a moment and remember that <laughs> Gunnersaurus is in the corner yeah. Gunnersaurus paying his respects um, Boiler man at West Brom <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah there was actual football after that there, there was actual football oh, what, what were your thoughts on, on the game um, our friend Gabriel at Arsenal looks uh, he was absolutely phenomenal mm. he, he was so good I mean I know United weren't that good but his like defending was just and Mohamed El Nenny Played out of his skin. Um, although it was ruined partly by Keown afterwards describing party and uh El Nenny. So after when one of them lost the ball, he was like, Oh, and and party's big brother El Nenny helped him out. Uh, and hmm. everyone was like, oh, Martin. Again, this is Martin forging relationships that may or that may not sense. be happening in reality. 
like it's imagine the conversations he's created in his own head yeah. between yeah. these two in the midfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. awful. Um, Gabriel could have gone. Could have gone. Should have gone. Could have gone. He, could, he, could, could've gone. he, could, he probably yeah probably could have aggressive. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, the, the tactics of like bringing on Matic is like the plan B. <laughs> well, Fred losing the ball about six times in the first half. It's, it's just it's just. I'm, I'm glad you've brought that up, Christopher, because, you know, I've probably been Donny van de Beek's harshest critic in the last <laughs> few weeks. But Manchester United played four centre midfielders to start that game. None of those centre midfielders were Donny van de Beek. Yeah, he did, brought on Matic. Who was it? Yeah. So he had uh, Fred, he had McSauce, or McTominay. <laughs> uh, he had uh, Bruno Fernandes, yeah. and he had Paul Pogba. Yeah. He then introduced Nemanja Matic to the game. We've seen in previous weeks that Juan Mata has gotten the start ahead of Donny van de Beek. So currently, that puts Donny van de Beek at, best case scenario, seventh choice <laughs> centre midfielder at Manchester United. So, I mean, I was looking around this. If you look, obviously yeah. United are struggling. They're 15th in the league. And I, I'd had this conversation off air with Bailey about... If you look at the teams around Manchester United, there's probably no question that on paper, Donny van de Beek starts in their midfield. You know, the guy got to the Champions League semi-finals of course, as a so key player. Brighton, who are 16th, one position behind United. I mean, Chris, I'm sure you'd say he'd start in the Brighton <laughs> midfield. Um, Fulham, who, credit at time of recording, have just got their first win in the season. Good for them, out of the relegation zone. So temporarily, not down. Um, he'd start in the Fulham thing. In the Fulham team, um, West Ham are a position above United. Would he start in the West Ham midfield? Yeah, you'd like to think yeah, so. Crystal Palace above them. Yeah, you'd like to think he'd start in that midfield. So you just wonder why. Like, what has he done no, I... in his first month at, at Old Trafford that has led to this lack of favour from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Hmm. All, all it leads yeah. to is Patrice Ever in a few years creating rumours on Sky Sports about <laughs> yeah. alleged relations between mm. Donny and the manager's daughter or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is where this is going at this point. Yeah, he's done something. Yeah, was it Jimmy Foy Hasselbank was saying, you know, they signed him, but Pogba and Fernandez play the same role. Yeah, so... it, it's very strange signing. I, I kind of get the whole, you, you sign quality while it's, out there, forty million in today's market isn't the biggest transfer. It's still a lot of money, but to not play the guy at all is weird. I, I don't There's get something it. going on. And when you think about it, even from the whole recouping their money standpoint, when they signed Paul Pogba because he was the big name signing that this, the transfer window that he came, you know, the shirt sales were good because he was playing. So from a merchandising point of view, you get that right. money in. I can't imagine any person or any parents going out to buy their son a Donny van de Beek Man United kit first of all lots of letters so that'll be an expensive yeah. one and secondly the guy can't get near the team and also thir- number 30 34 number 34 <laughs> yeah well that probably tells you everything you need to know worst number I've ever heard yeah um, I thought it was really interesting that uh, Paul Pogba did an injury well, I've never heard Paul Pogba do an injury after a game no, it's the first time I've ever. No, he definitely did yeah. that time whenever he had his one anchor game against Man City. Yeah. That mm. comeback win, oh, City yeah. winning the league that day. Yeah. He definitely did one that day. But strange from Paul Pogba that he's gone for the arm sleeve. Don't know if he's noticed this. Uh, I think it did. Yeah. Pogba goes out dressed as Steph Curry, which is bizarre to me. <laughs> so it, like he goes. 
instead of just wearing a complete undershirt, he do, he goes out with an NBA shooting sleeve on. No, oh, it is literally an NBA thing. I'm it, not about that. It looks like it. It's definitely not a reason that he's an elbow injury or well, something. Well, but it's strange that a Premier League footballer has one sleeve. Well, you can't be getting into that because he's. No, you, I mean, there are Premier League footballers who like going playing golf on their off days. That doesn't mean they can turn up to match day with a cap on. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I think we need to knock that in the head from Paul Pope. But especially, I mean, again, if you're scoring every week, it's like you said last week, Bailey, about Grealish can wear his socks low when he's performing. Yeah. Well, when Manchester United are 15th, get the arm sleeve off. So. <laughs> when you're contending for the league, then you can maybe get away with that sort of carry-on. But I, I, yeah. a small defence of Man United, I think... If looking away from this game, if you look at their last four games in Europe and the Premier League, it's been PSG, Chelsea, RB Leipzig and Arsenal. They've won two of those games, drawn one, lost one. And you're looking Uh, at that going, one of those is against a top four Premier League team from last season, the FA Cup winner from last season, a Champions League finalist and a Champions League semi-finalist. I think two wins and a draw from those four games isn't actually the worst. But they, but they, but but they just extend it back in their two games. That's yeah, 6-1 Spurs. Exactly. Palace, <laughs> you can say, you you can say you go again, but s- s- losing 6-1 the Spurs, you're, you're thinking the worst going into those four That's games. Wild. You're thinking they're going to get slaughtered 6-1 in each of those. I think it's well, not the worst. No, well, I, I didn't think the manner PSG, in which they've yeah. lost has been bad. Like, yeah. Yet, yesterday, it was dire. Like th- Those <laughs> players didn't want to be there. Arsenal completely outplayed them. Yeah, but I think I, I thought there was... if you ask the United fan, two wins, a draw, and a loss from those four. Okay. Yeah, but Chris is right. You can say they've won two of their last four, but you can also say they've won two of their six. So <laughs> um, I kind of get that point. I think the problem has been it's more around the way they've lost games. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, probably the PSG game aside, they've not set the light. You know, they beat Brighton with a penalty after the full time whistle. Well, they put, they put five <laughs> plus Leipzig. Yeah, I know, but I can know, but you know, th- th- this Leipzig manager is one of these real hipster ones that Chris I, loves mm. that's gonna revolutionize football. I, put five oh. past them. But I think the questions are just around <laughs> you know, the, their team isn't kneeled down. You know, the players that played really well against PSG then were like Tan Twan Zebe and then dropped yeah. the next week. So you can understand the frustration. I think a lot of it is coming back to, to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and then sure. obviously the yeah. chief exec and all those sorts of people as well because they're looking at it going, we, there are decisions that fans are, are disagreeing with and I think that's probably where some of the frustration's coming from. And, you know, I know it's early in the season. They're only six games in and most of the other teams around them have played seven and I take that on board but Manchester United to be 15th in November is uh, is a disappointing start and it's not going to be something that their fans are going to tolerate I actually thought the most, the most encouraging thing in the game was at the very very end Victor Lindelof screaming at Pogba because he had no options going forward <laughs> uh, in the last minute to score the equaliser I thought I, I actually thought that was really encouraging yeah. um, I, don't, I don't think Maguire's the, I don't think Maguire's the leader I, I, I don't think he is um, and this is you. You're big on leadership. Mm. Well, uh, well, I, well. You know, I, I, I imagine in that dressing room, people like Juan Mata are more influential than Harry Maguire. You know, well, yeah. And Roy, Roy Keane also doesn't think Maguire's a man. I didn't hear this. But... The guy questioned genders of the team yesterday, oh. just saying, I, I didn't see men out there. I wouldn't want to be in the trenches with any of them. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> Roy, it's not 1914. You know. <laughs> Burnley Chelsea was a, a game that happened. Chelsea looked, disappointment this. Chelsea looked very convincing. 3 0 yeah. winners. Burnley looked awful. Zero shots on target. Uh, and we talked about this a little bit um, again mm. off air, but the whole Burnley away used to be a terrible fixture. Absolutely. Um, you know, What's you saw happened? if you watch the, the Tottenham All or Nothing, when they go away to Burnley, the changing room looks. I mean, it doesn't wow. look like the changing room of a Premier League elite level team. There's a <laughs> column in the middle of it that holds the ceiling up, but you, know, you have to work around yeah. that. It's ugly, it's dirty. You imagine there's no underfloor heating, those sorts of things. Um, but now Burnley just seem to have lost that edge a little bit. Yeah, the, the ha- like, I mean, I know I'm sure, I mean, I don't really understand how they have less money than other teams since they've been in the Premier League for about five years in a row now, but I, I'm pretty sure their only signing was Deal Stevens from Brighton. Who, yeah, uh, he had to come yeah. off at half time because he was awful. Oh, is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I he, didn't even pick up on that. He, he looked 50. Yeah, so he yeah, did. <laughs> they're just not playing. Like, I mean, Barnes and Wood aren't scoring anything. Um, the defense is really struggling with Tar- Targowski's partner, is usually not very high quality. That guy, Kevin Long, who plays every week now, what age do you think he is? I don't know who he is. So. I'm going to go with the aim high and kill the conversation. 55. I, I just, I, I, th- I look at every Burnley player and think there's 30 other than no, no, that, yeah, that yeah, young, yeah. other than McNeil, who I know looks young. I mean, the rest of them have to be 30. Yeah, he also hasn't played that well either. That guy, Kevin Long, was 30 years old. And I could not, I, sw- I could have sworn <laughs> that guy was a youth player. 30 <laughs> years old. Um, yeah, they're, 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 I'm, we were saying it, you know, off air that um, it's Daesh, you know. That makes a big difference. You were saying but, that. Well, I think Bailey. I also back it. I mean, I'm not saying. I have a weird thing about Deitch, right? Well, I think I did, he'll, like, he'll keep them up. I just yeah, think there's. But they're we, in trouble. We have a weird. There's been a Premier League snobbery to Burnley, where oh, we I, look we we look at players like say Lewandowski going. Well, imagine him up against Tarkovsky, or if you look at certain <laughs> centre backs like Thiago Silva. I, I I'll be honest. Other than Champions League football. I've not watched a great deal of Thiago Silva throughout his career. I've always been told this guy's a good player. FIFA's always told me he's good. Mm-hmm. I've always gone, well, it'd be a bit of a fraud imagine him up against Chris Wood. <laughs> you know, we this Premier League snobbery of, oh, imagine Wooden Barnes coming at you. Oh, you know, these foreign lads don't want any of it. Mm-hmm. Well, Thiago Silva went to Burnley and had a pretty comfortable afternoon. Yeah, and you're going, well, this is what happens because... In France, he'll have awful, like, they'll have their own awful away days. I imagine Dijon away is the <laughs> nicest fixture. I'm, you know, there, there has to be I, other Burnley in other yeah. leagues. Yeah. Uh, no, I, yeah, I, I don't really know. Because even after lockdown, they were playing really well, um, you know, after lockdown at all. I, I don't really know what's, well, I do know what's going on. They haven't reinvested in their team, but, you know, still around like Phil Bardsley and these kind of guys, you know, I, you know, I, yeah, it, it doesn't look good. No, very, very poor on the weekend. I think the first half had 20% of the ball. Like, they didn't look yeah. like a football team who wanted to have the ball at any point. Not even yeah. to get at the turkey and fire it up the pitch. They just yeah. looked terrified of the football, yeah. which isn't a good sign. And they had stuff even before the season began with, you know, 
Turkey wanting to leave or not wanting to leave, but there was uh, what, the, the turning whole, down West Ham, <laughs> the whole questions around his future and stuff. So I guess that caused problems, and and Ben May yeah. being injured hasn't helped as well. I um, that that's it, Ben. Yeah, because so I can remember the partner Ben May being injured. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, they just they've lost that fear factor a little bit. That you know, a lot of Premier League t- it is kind of based on reputation a little bit when you're. Uh, when you're a tough team to beat and then you lose that, once that's gone, teams yeah. teams can come and have a go. Um, yeah. I think it's fair to say as well that um, Chelsea were pretty good. Um, we oh, started I, to yeah. see some of those new players really starting to click in. Ziyech was pretty influential uh, yeah. for, for most of the game, which um, which I'm sure from a Chelsea perspective is good to see and, and obviously good to get uh, Werner in the goals again as well. I think my favourite part of the game the Chelsea fan was the performance of Mason Mount. I'm going to come off sounding like Gar Southgate here, uh, that no matter what any other player does, I'll look at Mason Mount going, well, he had a fantastic game. But it's one of these weird things of you play Mason Mount in his actual position and changes the game. Mm. I said to a lot of people last season, the best game I saw Chelsea play last season was against Man City at home with a midfield three of Mount, Kante and Barkley. I think this season you take out Barkley from that and you put a better footballer in, in Kai Havertz, and you will be a better football team. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there was a, a lot of good stuff. Ziyech looks fantastic. Werner got himself a goal. Unfortunately, Christian Pulisic got injured in the warm up. Yeah. Another, another week oh, yeah. without the guy and without any propaganda from me on this podcast. Those injuries are starting to mind up a little bit for Christian. Christian has yeah, young career. I, I noticed that. He's got a big issue. And, and it's the fact he has no arse. Yeah. He, he's too quick for his own body. Yeah. Because that's once you start to get the hamstring things and you get them multiple times, they do start to kind of reappear throughout your career. Yeah, so it's getting, it's getting um, slightly iron robin with him. Mm, now, luckily, cool. Chelsea can just put in a Werner or a Hudson. Yeah, good, at the minute, depth, but good depth. Obviously, I'd love to see Christian Pulisic actually get fit because the guy we saw just after lockdown once he goes oh, on the run yeah completely completely and I think it's it's fair to say as well we talked about Vestergaard earlier on Kurt Zuma bullet header Ooh, lovely so it is out swinging corner from Mason Mount yeah what a guy which statistically is not the way to go but god it does look good when it comes off it's just there's one more thing on that game. Um, is it too much of an exaggeration to say that Gary's interview as part of Match of the Day is the worst thing about football? <laughs> <laughs> um, can I get paid one point seven five million to ask the most basic questions on the planet? Um, I always wonder though how Gary picks it because okay, all these games are yeah. at different times of day. How does he pick which okay, manager I, I don't, he's going to have these yeah. random conversations with? Well, I didn't know what the context of it was, but he was asking Lampard um, something about some top six managers quote or something. Oh, yeah, because uh, Frank said something about being treated differently to the other top six managers, oh. <laughs> which rattled the media. <laughs> oh, well, well, rightly so. I, I just, oh, it was, everything about it was awful. <laughs> right. Another week of defunding the BBC. Lovely, Chris. <laughs> anyway, from, from one topic that Chris loves talking about to another one, Brighton played Spurs this this weekend. Uh, Spurs running out two on winners. Um, I suppose the headlines being that, that uh, Gareth Bale scored his first goal since his return. Um, uh, I guess a few there was a few things in the game. A couple of dodgy penalty decisions. Yeah, yeah actually, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna really going to talk about Brighton as a thing here, although I think it was <laughs> hilarious that they lost again. 
and everyone's like, oh, great performance, but they didn't win, you know, again. But and it, but it's more, I think that was the worst refereeing performance, top five in Premier League history. Virtually every decision was wrong. And not only that, the TV was involved and something big happened at is, the TV. Is this when he was told to go and look at the TV because you yes. might have to overturn your decision? And he went and looked at the TV and decided, no, I'm sticking yes. with the call that I made. That's a ref making a name for himself. Yeah, and he wanted to be the first. Is. Absolutely. So that he, he's heard the chirp last weekend. Oh, oh no ref's done this yet. Yeah. He's like, oh, <laughs> I mean, let's the, see next weekend. The first penalty looked like... Um, uh, so this is Kane and Lalana. This is, yeah, Kane and Lalana both jumping for the ball. Kane sort of bending over and yes. falling forward. You know, which... You know, contact is going to happen when two players are jumping for a ball. Kane kind of collapses to the ground and and gets given a penalty. If anything, it's a Lalana, it's a Brighton free kick. Yeah. Not not, not only is it a Brighton free kick, it wasn't actually a penalty because it wasn't in the box. Well, that's, I mean, not for the first time this season has that happened. (laughs) My days. Harry Kane's a real habit of this. Kane Kane is a diver. (laughs) Oh, he's not a diver though because he's English. Yeah, that's that's the thing. He's not a diver. Harry Kane has one of my favourite falling over techniques. We we didn't see it in that yeah. situation, but Harry Kane does this thing where if he sees a tackle coming in, he'll put both legs together and <laughs> fling himself about. Yes, no, like he, a he real did do that. Doll. He <laughs> did it in the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's clever and it's it's cute and it and you know if it's winning everything. penalties, then you know it helps Tottenham win games. So yes. and we saw in that documentary that Jose wanted to see a little bit more. Um, gamesmanship or however you want to call it he wanted to see that little bit of nastiness that little bit of cuteness from Spurs players because it's what they've been lacking for so long and you know if Spurs keep winning games you, you do have to start having the conversation about are they right in this title race this year I think they are Yeah, they, they have to be they're a very good team and it's disheartening to see they're good all over the park as long as I, Harry Kane stays fit, which has been his problem in the past couple of years, is staying fit for all 38 games. Uh, and um, M- Mourinho was just dropping completely from the squad. All the people who didn't do well against Antwerp was great. Yeah. Uh, Ali, Bergwijn, someone else wasn't in the squad. Well, and that brings up something else that Jose Mourinho did oh, after the Antwerp. Indeed. I love Jose. <laughs> I absolutely adore the man. Now, the, so people are starting to pick up on it a bit more, but do you want to explain what's kind of happening here, Darren? Yes, so the year is 2020, it's modern football and, and as such Premier League managers are now I guess more commonly on social media platforms, mm. um, in particular Instagram and when Tottenham lost to Antwerp, uh, Jose Mourinho got either got somebody to take a photo of him on the bus or stood his phone up on a timer. Either way, it's, it's funny. Um, <laughs> and he captioned the photo. It was him sitting on the bus with his mask on um, yeah. and his, his sort of rucksack beside him. And he's sitting with his hands crossed and he's looking you know, off into the distance and he's clearly upset. And he captioned it, bad performances deserve bad results. Hope <laughs> everybody in this bus is upset as I am tomorrow, 11 a.m. training. Um <laughs> And it kind of starts this conversation. For me, I don't like seeing managers on social media. I don't like seeing players on social media either because I think as everyone becomes an adult, when you're a kid, you look at adults and particularly footballers, if you're a fan of football, you grow up viewing these people as superheroes, as idols, as whatever. 
Um, and when you're a kid in general, you look at adults and you just think that they have this wealth of knowledge and, you know, they have everything figured out. And then you become an adult and you realize quite quickly that every other adult on the face of the earth is a melt. <laughs> and I think that once, you know, when footballers and managers aren't on social media, you know nothing about their lives. All you see is what they do on the pitch, which is to yeah. a degree superhuman. And then when you see these people show little bits of their personality on Instagram and Twitter and stuff. Unfortunately, your your opinion of these superheroes is going to change because you're going to learn that like all other adults, footballers and football managers are also melts. No, I absolutely, I love everything about Jose Mourinho. As you, uh, said, as you said there, you learn about your football idols and everything. Jose Mourinho is just still one of my football heroes. And I hope this becomes a thing from Jose. So I sent you to the photo from last Monday night whenever Spurs beat Burnley. And Jose's standing. Jose, again, gets someone to take a photo of him in the changing room. (laughs) And everyone, all the Spurs players are on their phone after a win. He goes, look at this. This is modern football. (laughs) So I think this is a way from Jose to actually speak to his players. I think players now, it used to be they would hear the manager in the press conference a tactic Jose has used well for years, one of the best press conference guys there is. And now he's gone, well, they're actually not listening to that. They're sitting on their phones. So if I get a photo up there, he actually put a video up yesterday saying about how fantastic a performance it was from Spurs. He's going, well, they're all going to see it and they're all going to watch it because they all have to follow me because I'm their manager. And I think we need to work out now, does Deli Alley actually follow him on Instagram? Is that maybe the reason <laughs> oh, yeah, why uh, Jose's yeah. dropped him? Is oh, Jose that, uh, yeah. a 14-year-old girl and is looking through his followers list going, well, Harry does. Har- oh, Harry, Harry followed me very early <laughs> on. Har- Harry can play. Harry's captain. Deli, oh, Deli's blocked me again. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, he controls the narrative with it. I think that's the big thing about it rather and than I, the I, Amazon following like, him around. Yeah, I quite like the Jose's public with it as well yeah. because I had Jose as a burner account guy <laughs> I, like just going going around with a random name slagging off his players in the comments mm. I'm glad to see Jose is actually public with it getting photos taken of him on the bus going bad day see us tomorrow at 11 and I have to say I actually really like that point that you've made about you know if he is using social media and other managers using it as a tool to you know, connect with their players more. It's football moving with the times. And I actually like that point. But at the same time, there's that part of me that wants, you know, the football from 15 years ago, that part of me that hates change, I, that just yeah. sees this and goes, no, I still want to look at you, you know, misty-eyed as as this sort of superhero to me. I don't want to look at you as this sort of melt. <laughs> but just as well, like, 11am isn't a punishment. I, I else pick up on that? No, I, I think I, that's that is just training time. They're, they're well, from Belgium, yeah, yeah. so they I, are. They're traveling. I, I've, I've worked for two hours by then. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is the day after a match as well, so it's usually recovery day. Yeah, they go to bed. That's a recovery. <laughs> he also did say it. I think in a press conference after they asked him about his substitutes at halftime, he said, "Well, I would have liked to have made eleven, which is I've classic Jose." Mm. Yeah. That, that's great. more that's more like it from yeah. the guy so anyway Bailey in the mud European edition European edition a lot of a lot of players out there after the Champions League this week got themselves in the mud first off uh, the great beta male that is Alvaro Morata 
Alfaro Morata scored a hat trick. If you look at his Instagram, he's the ultimate beta male. I was also going to call him. Yeah, I've watched him Sorry, can I just ask what what's beta male about his about his Instagram? I know before he was like very, he was a bit of a simp. To, towards his, his wife. Yeah, he's, he's very much still a massive simp. Massive simp. <laughs> so he is, but Alvaro Morata this week against uh, Barcelona in the Champions League was scored three goals, none counted. He's become a, a real victim <laughs> of the new offside flags. Uh, so he has where linesmen yeah, will keep them down until the play's yeah. officially finished or whatever. So unfortunately for Alvaro, this actually caught up with him at the weekend as well. Alvaro scored a goal and the Lino just thought, based on pure reputation, to put up the flag <laughs> and put it off. And then they looked at VAR well onside. Right. Uh, to then stick with that game, we'll go into Barcelona and Juventus's Twitter accounts. Oh, Barcelona's Twitter account after the game uh, posted, we're glad you were able to see the goat on your pitch at Juventus. And oh. Yeah, and Juventus replied saying, you probably looked it up in the wrong dictionary. We'll bring you the right one at the new camp. Uh, can all like foreign <laughs> clubs who have an English Twitter account stop employing 14-year-olds? Because, like, <laughs> this is, is a Ramsey serious game. Yeah. This, is, like, this is football. Stop it. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Echo back to what you were saying, Darren. You know, that's not the 2005 Juventus Barcelona. It's not. It's that's not, not at all. That's not yeah. Edgar Davids and... Pep Guardiola, you know, you know, kicking not... lumps out of each other. Yeah, yeah. Now, now yeah. we're now we're slagging no. each other off. It's on Twitter over the goat. Yeah, the it? marketing team oh, sending awful. keyboard warrior style messages to each other. Yes, oh, dear. That's that's, that's not... two of the biggest clubs in the world. I know. Yeah, the worst thing is Mesut Özil's doing it at Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> Tweeted again yesterday, watching the game on his iPad. Dodgy yeah, streams. That was an awful tweet. Yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's and not then, using uh, Sky Sports pay-per-view. Good to see. <laughs> Good to see he's back to boycott. To tell the rich, stay rich. And then, uh, j- just to stay in Spain, uh, Real Madrid players have got themselves in the mud this week over conversations. So we notice that a lot in football now, if you're a player wanting to have a conversation with maybe a friend, you'll cover your mouth so that the cameras uh, yeah, catch it. Yeah. Two Real Madrid players this week both caught out. Yes. First, first was Isco. Great to see uh, Isco last weekend was caught on camera slagging off his manager, Darren Favorite Zinedine Zidane. <laughs> Big fraud. Saying, saying, if he has to bring me off, he substitutes me in the 50th or 60th minute of the game, sometimes at half time. Whereas if he puts me on, he puts me on in the 80th minute. To which, uh, whichever article this is on the Daily Mail says, Modric and Marcelo both smiled as Isco unleashed this rant. <laughs> Unleash this rant. I Unleash mean, I think that's rant. a slightly hyperbolic statement. That is a Daily Mail headline, though. Isco has since been linked with Everton, so very much is in it? Yeah, apparently once the reunion, uh, some people were saying. Oh, with uh, But to the biggest in the mud of the week, Kareem Benzema. I did see this. Oh, excellent. Kareem's mouth getting them in trouble again. A guy I'm shocked. Wants- I'm shocked. Once described international teammate Olivier Giroud as a go-kart whilst he is a Formula One motor car, has got oh, himself into trouble this week awful. at half-time asking Ferland Mendy to stop passing the ball to Finiscius. The, the quote what? is, play it to me. He plays trash, brother. Don't play to him. On my mother's life, he is playing against us. This is a this is a 30-year-old man. Yeah, so this was in the, <laughs> this was in the tunnel at half-time. What? 
right. before the Real Madrid players were coming back onto the pitch. Um, Who were they playing again? It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but they were not playing well. And Benzema, yes, uh, had a conversation with a teammate where he told him to stop passing it to a particular Real Madrid player. Uh, within earshot of said Real Madrid player, which I thought was, you know, at least it wasn't behind his back in my eyes. But yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, interesting. Benzema is it, was he not involved in some yes blackmail Fra- scandal yeah. of a number of years ago? He hasn't played for France for years because him and I think it was Valbuena are involved in some kind of blackmail, something to do with some extremely dodgy activity. Uh, and videos and all sorts, and he's never played for France again, and they won the World Cup without him, so it's great. Yeah, just a, a weird one. Um, I, I can't stand Real Madrid. Every, 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 everything about them is just the epitome of everything that's wrong about football. Like well, Sergio Ramos you're, you're, and you're, Benzema. You are there with uh, Mourinho yesterday, said about Bale after he scored, saying I can't oh, wait yeah. to see what the Real Madrid website has to say about this Yeah, after <laughs> the game. But I think, I think whenever you're a team that won four Champions League in a row, you're going to have pricks in your team. Yeah. Like, there's no doubt about it. If I was going around with four Champions Leagues, I'd be getting on like Kareem Benzema. Yeah. I don't know if I would, I'll be honest, but yeah, fair. <laughs> well, good for you, Chris. Good good showing a character. Good morals. Um, there is one thing I would like to very quickly mention, not so much as an in-the-mud thing, but um, obviously the UK looks like it's heading into lockdown 2.0. Prime Minister announced that all sport recreational sport is to stop with the exception of elite level uh, teams, i.e. Premier League teams and, and other professional teams in leagues that I haven't heard of. Um, <laughs> but the the FA Cup, we're in the early stages of the FA Cup fixtures and some of those games were being questioned because some of the teams that are playing in these early rounds do not class as elite level teams and would have <laughs> been ordered to stop. Their leagues are stopping. And um, and they, they did announce today that they are happy enough for 10 teams to have a special circumstance and be allowed to play despite being uh, non-elite teams. And I think, first of all, to uh, prioritise the FA Cup over the health of the nation, I think is nothing short of scandalous. Uh, I think we really should have been putting our foot down on that and cutting out the FA Cup this year. Uh, secondly, the fact that non-elite teams are in the competition at all shows you its merit and shows you why I'm against it. And that's all I want to say on that. Um, it was actually hilarious how that news came out. Um, I don't know if he's realised how it came out, but it was only because one of the journalists asked Boris Johnson at the press conference, they were like, oh, is the Premier League going to continue? And he was like, <laughs> uh, 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 we kind of looked at Chris Williams was like, oh, I think I can say with authority, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that, that was literally how it broke. A few of the yeah, managers right. reacted as well. Pep Guardiola said he was kind of 50-50 about whether it continued, whereas Neil Warnock was very <laughs> adamant that football was, was to continue. Well, exactly. Um, Neil, Neil hates the family. We've spoken about this before. <laughs> Neil, Neil Warnock famously hates his wife. Now, I've completely made that up, but if you look at the guy and how long he spends out of jobs, the guy retired last year. And couldn't the wait guys to retired get back. Like four times, really. <laughs> yeah. This house in yeah. Cornwall that he built for his retirement. <laughs> you know, so Neil definitely one of those was looking at Boris's thing, going, "Well, I don't care what you say, big fella. We'll be playing." <laughs> right, guys, oh, thanks very much uh, for your yeah. time as always. Uh, you know, 
for everybody listening, thank you for listening. Um, if restrictions have changed in your area, please uh, stay safe and, and all of the like. Yep. See you next week.